used to scare the hell out of me that I didn't know what was coming next in my life, you know? Like, I'd always think, what if I make the wrong move? But maybe there isn't any right move. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. I mean, look at us. We all look the same. We all dress the same. We all watch the same TV. Nobody's really any difference, even if they think they're different. Oh boy, look at my tattoo, you know? And that is what makes me free. At least I know I was doing something real for two or three seconds. It's all about fear. And I'm not afraid anymore, man. The hell with it. Fear. I mean, anything is possible. But I don't care. I'm not afraid, man. Fear, money, whatever. I'll go to New York and live in a box. I'll sing with the bums. I might starve, but I won't die. Fear. Hey, I'm Kurt Sanders. So when I put the thing that scares me most into just eight words, it comes out like this. I habitually fear things that haven't even happened. That's a bummer, right? And I reckon it's actually too common that people make that their default setting. So it's, it's really easy to tell yourself all the reasons why something won't work instead of that big, lovely, wonderful reason as to why it will. And that's why season two of the Telltale Podcast exists. Welcome to Unfound Fears. I have a theory that our stresses and fears about doing things that make us fundamentally happier in life are mostly unfounded, or at worst, are a small price to pay to achieve true fulfillment. But I'm also a journalist and a marketer, so I'm pretty much the worst qualified person to make that assumption. So I'm in a bit of a mission to find out more about fear, what makes it weigh heavy on us, why we allow it to stop us from doing things that could bring joy to our lives, and how people brush it aside to achieve big money-making things, and also the small but potentially more crucial emotional things. So stay with me for the full episode, because at the end I want to know what scares you most, but only in eight words. So let's start with the chemistry of it all. And that begins with this little jerk inside your brain called the amygdala. It's probably unfair to call it a jerk because it's actually the reason you're alive. So the amygdala is the thing in your brain that determines your reaction to something that scares you. So you've heard of fight, flight or freeze? Well, Miggy, that's what I'm calling it, is the thing that makes that happen. It's made up of two small almond-shaped thingies directly behind your eyes and sort of in line with your ears. And it's where that chemical reaction takes place that makes your heart beat faster, makes your knees weak and arms heavy, mum's spaghetti, if you'll allow me to quote Eminem, and gets those sweat glands going but here's the thing it's just chemical so I had a chat with well-being and culture change expert Erin Hegarty from a company called Ashore, which delivers programs that help people cope with the stresses of work and life every day. So apart from the fact that her voice is potentially one of the most calming sounds ever, listen to her talk about what fear, stress and anxiety actually is. Unfound fears. It's funny. Um... You know, these sorts of emotional reactions aren't just psychological, they're not just cognitive, they're really physical. 
um, and, and you talk about fear, you talk about stress, you talk about anxiety, all of these are actually social constructs, they're labels for the same underlying um, physiological process of threat awareness. And uh, you know, we've all kind of experienced the effects of that, so it will, these chemicals will do all sorts of things, they'll dilate your pupils, um, they'll get your heart, rate, uh, your heart rate increasing, it will actually constrict a lot of your blood vessels, um, almost drawing the blood away from the skin, it'll start to get blood going to your large muscles, it'll move blood away from your digestive system, it'll shut down, that down a little bit, it'll shut down your reproductive systems, your immune systems. Um, it will also stimulate what we call your um, sympathetic nervous system. So suddenly your muscles will start to tense, you might start to shake, things like this. Sometimes people will sweat, they'll get very flushed. Essentially, it's your amygdala has seen enough of a threat that we need to react immediately with force to save our lives. To save our lives? So there's a bit going on there, right? So our bodies have an in-depth, quite severe reaction to imminent danger. And it's all sent from our sensory receptors, eyes, ears, touch, taste, spidey sense, whatever it is that you have. And it sends it to be dealt with by the amygdala. Fight, flight, or freeze. But there's something Erin said right at the start that I think is a vital point and our first key learning of the Unfound Fears podcast. Fear, anxiety and stress are social constructs. We made them up. They are human-made labels to explain what our brain is doing to us when we feel threatened. But Erin explains it much better than me. And in many ways, they're, they're very similar to animals' brains. Your animals don't feel anxiety or fear, but animals are always looking out for potential threat, potential danger. So we're constantly scanning the environment, we're constantly weighing things up. So I'm going to look around at what's around me and I'm going to sum up what, what demands are on me and my survival right now. What could threaten that? What's going to take energy? But I'm also at the same time weighing up well, what resources do I have? You know, how much sleep did I get last night? How much food is there in my belly? You know, how healthy and fit am I feeling right now? And when our demands and resources are quite well balanced, that's when we tend to experience peak performance. I'm being challenged a little bit, but I'm able to meet that challenge. When, our, when we're out of balance, so maybe I'm seeing that the threats are really high and I feel that I don't have the resources or the abilities to meet that threat or those demands, that's when the threat response is triggered. That's when suddenly my body goes into this state where it needs to act to survive and it needs to act really quickly. You know, um, a saber-toothed tiger suddenly leaping out of the grasslands at you. Um, it is an incredible, suddenly there's a huge amount of demands on you. you know, it has teeth and fangs and muscles and speed and it wants to kill you. I'm a human, I have very few resources, I'm very breakable, and very weak. So I'm massively out of balance and that's why my body does these things to try and build up those resources to try and help me survive. So I'm going to put all of my energy and Get resources or all of my fuel into the areas that's going to help me or give me the strength, the stamina, whatever it is to meet that challenge, to meet that demand. That's it at its most basic level. The wonderful thing is while people's anxieties will differ greatly in terms of the strength of their response and what it is that triggers that response, at the end of the day, the way you respond to it is actually really consistent. If people have an understanding of why their brain is doing this, uh, if they have an understanding of what's going on. So if they know that my beating heart and my feeling sick in the stomach and my sweating and me wanting to run away 
is all actually um, my body's response to, to threat. If, that, if I understand that that's just me trying to protect myself, it actually makes it a lot easier to come in and cogn cognitively manage that. You know, our, our brains are very old. Our brains are thousands of years old. And they're, they're programmed for the environment that we evolved in. That, you know, when, when our brain first sort of came into what it is now, that's the environment that it's programmed for. So it's constantly on the lookout for threat and reward. What could kill me? What's going to help me stay alive? You know, where are the dangers? Where's the food? Where's the sex? Where's the shelter? Our brains haven't really changed all that much. The problem is society, life, everything has evolved. And so now our, we have this old, quite black and white brain, and it's seeing these lifestyle stresses like finances, and it's seeing that I have to prioritize bills, which one am I gonna pay first? Essentially, there's all of these different demands, but it's still weighing them up the same way it used to. We're still just seeing threat to survival. Unfound fears. So there you have it. We have this old as hell brain reacting to things in an old as hell way. But if we sum up at this point the things we now know about ourselves, they are this that fear isn't real, it's just the chemical reaction that we perceive as fear. And that a lot of the time our brains treat very survivable activities like they have the potential to kill us. And that, my new friends, is where we're going to play in the Unfound Fears podcast. Things such as starting a business, changing jobs, quitting your job, taking a risk that will make you happier or more fulfilled, or even just making the decision to live your life in a happier, more meaningful way. These are the Unfound Fears. So. How do we get past them? Well, we'll delve into the stories of people who have done just that in coming episodes. But from a biological level, from a chemicals going off in your brain level, Erin has an answer for you. There's been some really interesting studies that have come out um, that say, well, actually, it's not the experience of stress that's killing us. It's the belief that stress is bad for you. Funnily enough, it's stressing about stress, which is one of these things that is triggering this threat, this fear response. Um, so, I mean, there's a number of things we can do, but what this tells us is how we perceive our response to threat, to demands, is really pivotal in, in how well we cope and manage with that. When you're starting to feel fear or anxiety or stress and you notice your heart rate increasing or you feel sick in the stomach or you're sweating or you're getting really angry or you're not sleeping at night because your brain is going over all of the things that you're worrying about. One way to view that is, this is bad, and this is not good. Another way to view that is, this is my body preparing me to meet that challenge. Reframing our stress response actually has really profound impacts on our ability to cope and our resilience generally. To help with that, knowing what your stress response is, you know, for me, I have a very clear stress response. My heart rate starts to go. I usually feel sick in the stomach. I absolutely get sweaty, and I do get very short and snappy with people. The moment I see these things happening to me, in fact, the moment I feel my heart rate starting to go, that's when I know I need to start really cognitively reframing things. Okay, yes, this is a stressor. Yes, this is a challenge. But I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to focus on maybe the things I can't control. I am going to look at how I can best meet this challenge. Because I know my body's on my team. How can I get my brain in line as well? And then there's sort of a lot of the stuff that probably people already know of. Breathing is one of the best things we can do in the moment. Um, 
it's it's so powerful because our bodies can't be stressed and relaxed at the same time. It's actually physiologically impossible. So in breathing, we actually start to physically calm our bodies down, reduce some of that physiological response to the perceived threat. The wonderful thing about that is where the body goes, the mind often follows. So that will start to calm our minds down, re-engage it, give us more space to then do this cognitive reframing and challenging ourselves that we need to do. Long term, it's all of the things often we don't want to do. It's the stuff that we neglect the moment we get really busy or really preoccupied. It's uh, making sure we have really strong social networks. We are social beings and social, social isolation is probably one of the worst risk factors when it comes to our mental health, our stress, our resilience, our fear. It's exercising regularly. Um, when we do experience a threat response, when we experience fear, that cortisol builds up in our bodies and it wants to be expressed. It wants to be um, uh, metabolized. It, it, it's encouraging our bodies to move. The thing is, if we don't, if we just sit there at our desks and worry about the business and all these things happening, that cortisol can actually cement in our bodies and it can form a layer over our internal organs and actually sort of cook us from the inside out. So exercising regularly, getting that stress energy out helps us feel more capable. Um, eating well, absolutely getting good sleep. Our brain is a lot more reactive and emotional when we're fatigued. That means we might be much more likely to go into this amygdala-fueled stress response, threat response, if we aren't just as, as refreshed. When we do expose ourselves to threats, when we cognitively break down and challenge ourselves about these things that are worrying us, that are stressing us out, we can sometimes um, create a bit of a, it's almost like the opposite to fear conditioning, it's almost like calm conditioning. Our amygdala along with the hippocampus can start to remember times when we have been exposed to a threat and nothing bad happened. And that can start to become the primary memory and that can stop, I guess that can help when it comes to building our resilience or at least not triggering an immediate fight or flight response. So it's involved in not only fear but also fear conditioning but also um, anti-conditioning as well. Practically, I think it is really possible to very much master your emotions and be in, in control of your brain most of the time. All of the time, I'm not sure. To be able to snap your fingers and say this isn't real and just have that experience disappear, I don't think it's necessarily as easy as that. Unfound fears. So, let's add to our key lessons about ourselves from episode one. Erin tells us that we stress about stress, and that is what's really killing us. Hmm, it's almost like fearing the thing we're so fearful of is unhealthier than actually shedding the fear about it and then doing it. In short, you should be more scared of not doing it. That should be making a jerk of an amygdala go off like grandma on a Christmas bender. But we've also learned that the best way to overcome fears is to expose yourself to that which scares you, again and again, until it simply doesn't scare you anymore, or until you realise that these are simply unfound fears. Oh, and remember my eight-word fear from the start of this episode? I habitually fear things that haven't even happened. It drives me up the wall. It's a total bummer, but I'm working on it. And it's kind of why we started this podcast. So I want to also know what your fears are so we can tackle them together. Write it down in eight words and send me an email. 
I'm at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at thecontentdivision.com.au. I'll share a selection in coming episodes because I have a hunch that admitting our fears and putting them into perspective might just help free us from them. But I'll definitely ask a qualified guest about that soon. A huge, huge thank you to Erin Hegarty for sharing all her knowledge about fear in this episode. And also just remember, if you do have fear, stress and anxiety and it's really getting the best of you, maybe it's time to get some help. So make sure you contact someone. Um, if you like what you're hearing today, subscribe at unfoundfears.com.au or you can catch us on iTunes. You can also leave us a review there and that would be totally splendid. Um, the opening monologue today was performed by Dick McMahon who was reciting an extract from a play, Suburbia, by Eric Bogosian. Uh, our music is by Lee Rosevere and Costa T and additional production is by Brittany Dreghorn and Mark Mazzoni, both of whom are inspirational in their expert critiquing and creativity in bringing this podcast to life. We couldn't do it without them. Unfound Fears is part of the Content Division Podcast Network. We'll talk to you next week.